Welcome to the podcast, In and Through Exists, to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. Mm. My name is Tim. And my name is Marshall, and I'm definitely a hearer because... Yeah. or at um, least you were. I was until I turned it down because I was Your headphones it. coming in hot? Yeah, but I think I turned it down too much. Give me one sec. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. That's the one. Nice. All How right. does that feel? The middle ground. Does that feel better? The happy medium. The, feel better? The porridge that is just right. Yeah. For uh, Goldilocks. I was going to say, there you go, Goldilocks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit of a princess sometimes. I, I'm not a, I'm not ashamed to say it. Well, maybe I'm mildly ashamed. I'm not I'm honest enough, <laughs> humble enough to recognize it. <laughs> if Alex listens to this, he'll know. He'll, he'll, he'll know. He'll be, he'll be nodding along. All right. So, so, so last week, mm-hmm. we talked about Scripture as the inspiration. Amen. And, and as the inerrant, mm-hmm. the infallible, mm-hmm. and the authoritative word of God. Inside of it, in our other arguments, I think we did a, a good job of sort of buttoning it up in a way as to say, you see how this is defensible and only makes sense. Right. Whereas in last week's argument, it was more... This is what we believe and why. But what it lacked was this is the convincing argument for the non believer that would cause them to have shame on their position and credibility toward our position because obviously the Bible is the inspired word of God. Right. Which means, and we said it, there's a level of faith required in this. Mm hmm. The missing link. Right. Most of what we did with that episode was to say, this isn't something that came to be as a position. It's always been a position. These are wrong views that have come to be, Mm. but this is the traditional view that has held and what we hold to. Right, right. So the, the argument then is always, well, there's just a level of faith to it. Mm. Is that a problem? That's, well, that's a good question. Can we not just reason our way to understanding who who Jesus is and what he did for us? Well, someone who's been listening to the podcast so far might, might come to that conclusion, right? We spent a lot of time dealing with philosophical arguments for the existence of God, mm-hmm. right? We started by that to say... You know, it makes sense that there would be a creator and that right. that creator would look like this and have these attributes, right? And that because we see, you know, order in the universe, that there would be some kind of, you know, orderly creator. And, and you know, we went into that and we, we spent time talking about, you know, the accuracy and the authority of scripture. We, we, we were looking at facts, yep, right? Looking at reasonable arguments to defend not only why the Bible has been preserved, but why the Bible is accurate and what it has to say, and because of its accuracy is authoritative. And so we spent a lot of time dealing with the, the reasonableness of the Christian faith, mm-hmm. right? At least so far in the subjects that we've covered, and there's a lot more to, a lot more ground to cover for sure. Yeah. But yeah, these evidence, these arguments, these reasons, which are all, all good things, but I think, I think what we what we find, not just in scripture, but just in in you know, in the world around us in our contemporary situations, is that there there isn't a necessary and for many a missing ingredient, mm-hmm. and yeah, and it's faith, for right? Sure. Yeah, and that's not something that the church is hiding behind. No. Uh, to be honest with you, it's not unique to the church. No. Even even the scientists who would say the entirety of my uh, my position is based on observation has to stop at some point and say, my observations lead me to believe that further observation would show this. Mm. 
And so I can calculate that that is most like most evidently the case. Right. Right. right? That is how scientific theory works. Right. Right. Scientific theory says of all the observable evidence that we have, the necessary outcome seems to be mm. this. Yeah. Although no, it's not observable. Yeah, I think that's good. And yeah. so I, 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 it's not unique. One of the one of the great discussions uh, that I've heard on this is John Lennox. Okay. When he's talking with, um, I didn't come prepared to share this, so I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Uh, the God Delusion, Dawkins. Dawkins, Richard Dawkins. So they're having a a conversation. Dawkins' big point is just to say, um, it's just there's just faith. There's you've got this blind faith that your your observations only go so far, and then you throw faith in it. And John Lennox says, "Well, so do you." Of course. And uh, and he he spins it kind of in a way as to say, "Do you love your wife?" And Dawkins is like. Of course I do. Why, why are you bringing her into this, right? And he's like, do you believe your wife loves you? And he's like, I, I hope so. The evidence seems to point to the fact that she does. As like, and she's faithful to you. And she's not here tonight. But you trust that she's being faithful to you based on the evidence that she has always been. <laughs> At which point Dawkins is backed into a corner, not only, not only in, in an... Uh, a wonderful act of debate. Mm. But also he has to go home to his wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so he just goes, yes. And so, the whole crowd erupts in laughter. And, and he does too, right? Like he knows. He he's understands, like, yeah. You, you played the wife card and now I'm, uh, <laughs> now I, I have to for the sake of yeah, my marriage yeah. agree with you. So the nuclear option. Yep. Nuclear family option. Um, no, I'm just, I don't know why I said that. I thought it was good. Funny. It's good. Th I like thanks, it. Thanks, man. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that is something, yeah, that is something that I think is really insightful. And I think as our conversation continues, we might touch on again. Yep. Because it's something that mm -hmm. I, I think is, is worth unpacking a bit. Yeah. But so here's why I jumped to that so soon. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In some instances, you want to wait to find out how the book ends. <laughs> In some instances, finding out how the book ends helps you understand better how the book develops. Sure. So I was just sort of throwing no, no, it's great. That no, conclusion out to better follow the flow. I, I think it's a really insightful and 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 you know hilarious scenario that will hopefully drive <laughs> home the significance of the conversation we're going to have because we're we're going to be talking about faith and the significance of faith in in maybe the necessity of faith. Mm -hmm. Now, definitions matter. Yep. What we mean by certain terms are is, you know, how we define certain terms rather is going to shape the conversation to some degree. And so if we're going to be talking about faith, you know, the question is, well, what is faith? Found some <clears throat> internet dictionary definitions. Um, the first was complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that okay, that's pretty broad. Uh, the second definition was a strong belief in God or in the doctrines of a religion based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. Spiritual apprehension. I know. I found that to be an interesting phrase. That's 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 what it was. That's with. one way to word it. Yeah. Spiritual apprehension. Hmm. <clears throat> so maybe something we can touch on later. The Bible itself has a bit of a definition. Okay. And and it's not here. Here's the thing, right? So we have to understand that the Bible's not written as a dictionary, mm -hmm. and so when we come across definitions of, of of themes and things like that within the text, we have to understand that like they're they're being described, they're they're being laid out in such a way that they're you know coherent with the the body of the text, right? So this is not necessarily the be all and end all, you know the definitive definition of faith from the Bible because, you know, where we refine it in Scripture, it's it's part of an explanation of a great deal of things and in light of things that have been said before and in support of things that are coming after. Yeah. But Hebrews 11.1, 1, which was written by someone we don't know. We're not sure of the, the author of Hebrews. Did we talk about this? Who wrote Hebrews? Uh, we may have talked about in the very first year. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. And the answer is we don't know. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, there's a lot of people who have strong opinions. Not probably not Paul. I'm gonna go with probably not Paul because it it's different than Paul. So in Hebrews eleven one we read, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, Mm -hmm. the conviction of things not seen. So okay, so we have kind of two halves of it: assurance of things we hope for, and conviction, trust, confidence of things that we cannot see. Now, to an empiricist, to someone who says, it's only true if I can measure it, see it, you know what I mean? Uh, Then they would say, well, things not seen, you can have no confidence in things that you do not, you cannot see, you cannot measure, you cannot observe. Um, But the Bible seems to say, no, faith is, at least in part, it's assurance confidence and things that we're, we're hoping for, looking forward to, things that have not yet happened but are going to happen, mm-hmm. and a conviction of things that we we cannot see. Um, and that kind of deals with, I think, the, the future and then also kind of present, maybe present and past in the second half. So, so the question is, you know, from, from a philosophical standpoint and trying to kind of remove myself from the pastor's shoes for, for a minute. Okay. Is faith just an exit strategy? An, uh, you know, is it just an easy cop-out? Is it just like a way of not having to explain things? Yeah, because that's the, that's the primary argument against. The primary argument against is you just believe it. You have no reason to believe it. You just do. Therefore, you're not thinking. Mm. Right? Is that faith? I would say we've spent the year saying it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Faith is not... There's a difference between faith and blind faith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Sure. Yeah. That's why there's the modifier to distinguish blind faith. Right. Because it's different from faith. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Right? And so we have spent the first part of this year showing there's reason for faith. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Uh, William Lane Craig's ministry for apologetics is titled Reasonable Faith. Mm-hmm. Right? There is reason to have confidence in things you can't see. And mm. I would even say that that's John Lennox's point mm. with Dawkins, right? He's saying mm-hmm. this is how we operate in life. Yeah. Can you imagine, can you imagine going through life with this imperialistic view? Mm-hmm. I, I see where people want to apply it in the grand scope of things, to denounce Christianity mm-hmm. or other faiths. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they can't, there's no way they can live that way. No, of course not. You, yeah. you, can't, you can't live in such a way as to say, I hope my bank keeps my money, but I have no confidence that it would keep my money. <laughs> or, or, or could you imagine being in a relationship, just to go back to the whole marriage thing, sure, could you imagine sure, being sure. in a relationship with someone who was like, I need you to prove that you've been faithful with, for, to me today. Mm-hmm just like you had to prove it yesterday. Mm-hmm. If I can't see it, it doesn't exist. So right. prove yourself, right? Like, right. that's exhausting. Oh, yeah. And like, so here, here's kind of a, a, a kind of a fun, somewhat comedic, real world situation where, where this might play out. You know, when we think of something like the moon landing, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so did astronauts land on the moon? You know, this is this question. And there are, I mean, you can find all sorts of documentaries and even scientists and specialists who would argue that it did not happen. For these reasons, oh, it didn't happen because of this and this and that, right? Like the flag moved too much and there's no wind on the moon or whatever it might be, right? Right. So so, so there's all these people who, who have this argument against. But we might say, and I would say, oh, I think they did. I have, I have faith that they did, Okay. Now, we're not talking about the same degree of faith that I have in in Christ, but it's a type mm-hmm. of faith nevertheless, right? And and here's the thing. Were I put in a position right now, unprepared, put in a position of debate against someone who was an anti-moon landing expert, I would get th- like thumped sure. in a debate. Yeah. I would. I totally would because I, I don't, you know, I haven't, I haven't like gathered all this material necessarily to, to do that, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm wrong and it doesn't necessarily mean that my faith 
is unfounded. Just because there is someone who might have an argument or a disagreement and might have some things that they they believe at least back up that conclusion that they have, right? The reality is that we all have certain premises which we accept without real proof, okay? So these are things that we just, everyone, and, and not just religious people, everyone has certain things that they just believe to be true and are the foundation of all the other things that we believe, right? So you kind of hinted at this a little bit, right? I mean, there's the, the marriage, the kind of funny marriage situation, mm-hmm. but there's all sorts of other scenarios where you there is a, a foundational degree of knowledge or a foundational perspective and opinion about knowledge that is serves as like a foundation. So like without that, without some degree of faith, you really can't know anything because you can't you you can't just keep questioning and questioning and questioning, you know, to infinity. Because you get to a point where you just have to accept that certain things are true. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as a true and pure skeptic. Right. Right. There's these people who who say, Oh, well, I'm a skeptic, right? I question things. Things need to be proven to me. Right. And and unless they can be, I won't believe it. Okay. All right. And and to that, can I just say mm-hmm. so am I? Sure. Okay. I, to the point that it I absolutely annoy my wife. <laughs> because even listening to just full disclosure, listening to other people preach, mm. I don't know why. But I always feel this hesitancy of mm. <laughs> mm. Okay. And and yep. I we for instance, we do family devotion mm-hmm. every night after dinner. We're using a family devotion book at least once a week. Lindsay's like, why are you on your phone during family devotions? I'm like, I'm looking up the Greek. I don't know how he interpreted that word. <laughs> He's got a I don't know. Check. I don't know about his emphasis on that position, right? I'm a skeptic, and I, I look into these things. Right, sure. But here's the, here's the issue with being like an absolute or pure, yep. true skeptic. If, as a skeptic, you require that any belief, any statement— must be proven, then you're assuming you have faith that you are smart enough to determine whether or not a thing is actually proven to be true. Yeah. Right? So it, like, it falls apart. It's this self-defeating thing, right? You have the authority of conclusion. Yeah. What, what determines conclusive evidence versus circumstantial evidence? Yeah. And why do you think that you have the ability to make mm-hmm. that call, right? You have faith in your, the power of your own brain. Yeah. Right. So the reality is that we believe in all sorts of things that we can't totally explain. Right. Okay. Tim, do you believe that the earth revolves around the sun? Yes. Okay. Can you prove it right now? Right here, right now. Right here, right now. Without Google. No. No. Okay. So unless, unless you have such a grasp of like astronomy that you're, you know, essentially a scientist you know, or at least your grasp of science and astronomy in particular is beyond the norm. You can't prove that. Mm-hmm. And yet you accept it to be true, right? I, I would say I would say this. Um, because I'm gonna I'm gonna disclaimer my statement. Okay. For reasons of hilarity that I can't even get into. <laughs> um if if I was just to say like give you physical proof, mm-hmm. no. Mm-hmm. If I could lay out an argument, mm-hmm. yes, sure. Because only because I have had to arm myself to prepare for that discussion, <laughs> because of people in my life who historically required me to be prepared. Sure, sure. To defend such things. Yeah. Okay. Sure. No, and as, that's good. That's as good. curvature of the earth. Yeah. 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 No, that's good. That's good because no, that's good because that speaks to the idea of like you're like okay, so I don't have. I don't have that knowledge like I can just I can't just like call right. back those facts but I but I have faith that the earth revolves around the sun because I know that there are 
sources that I can go to that are trustworthy sources and observables with, and measurables sure, and things like that. Things that I haven't personally observed or measured, but other mm-hmm. people have. And I'm going to use those as the basis for my belief that the earth revolves around the sun. Right. Or for example, like, okay, do you believe that Julius Caesar was assassinated? Yes. Of course, right? Because, because a thousand years later, Shakespeare told me. Sure. But like, yeah, but that's the thing, right? Like, good luck proving that Julius Caesar was in fact assassinated mm-hmm. unless you are a historian with access to the original documents and you've compiled it all and you've compared all the... But even at that, you're going to have the skeptic who's going to question the credibility of the documents. I mean, we... Right. We, no, 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 that's, that's, that's totally it. Yeah. We, we talked about this during... Uh, during the Spanish Inquisition, mm. right? Mm. Where there's just this mountain of evidence from every direction that the Inquisition took place in Spain in a horrific fashion. Mm-hmm. Yet, there's the those monks who were responsible, not the monks, the, the priests who were responsible for the Inquisition in Spain kept records reporting back to the Pope in which they... They viewed the circumstances differently, Marshall. <laughs> they had a they had a different take. Who would have thought? Rosier glasses, as they were reporting back to the pontiff yeah. Yeah, yeah. and financer of right. their work. Right. And and so people are like, you see, the Spanish Inquisition never happened. It wasn't all that bad, or at least it wasn't all that bad. Yeah, if it did happen. It was it's really overblown. It was completely overblown. Yeah, right. And and then in the worst instance, you just have like the Holocaust deniers, right? Oh, of course, yeah. Who were like mm-hmm. a genuine skeptic is not looking for evidence. Yeah, that's my opinion. That's yeah. my position on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, in that, and I think that speaks to the reality. I think if we bring this back into the kind of theological sphere out of the historical one, which mm-hmm. we've kind of been, we've been splashing around in that kiddie pool for for fun because it, it's it's helpful. It's it's helpful for people to kind of like resonate with some of these these examples we're giving. But right. the the person who is like who is like a skeptic of all things metaphysical or theological or anything that like is not just kind of in the here and now someone who says well i don't believe that there could be a creator because where is he i can't see him Mm -hmm. right is that that degree of skepticism in the same degree like in the same way that you would have a holocaust denier is there be they're starting from a place where they say i refuse to believe the truth Right, and I'm going to do whatever I can to try and debunk anything that might attack my preconceived notion. Right, and here is where there's these things aren't the same. Sure, and in fact, they might even be opposites, but they're similar in operation. Mm. The skeptic and the conspiracy theorist, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because everyone has a conspiracy theorist in their family. Yeah, somewhere sure. down the line, oh, or yeah. at least in your friends group. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> there are certain things. No, there there are certain things. No, I, I knew. Yeah, like, so we, I get it. So here's, stuff is weird. Stuff is weird. So, so not it. not not to just people that are like I find that theory interesting, mm. but people who just sort of operate in this world, of right? Cons- right. Okay. Like that, yeah. it would be an attribute, right? Sure. A defining sure. marker of their okay. personage. Yeah. Okay. I get that. Uh, so so what happens is this: mm. they have. Two camps of people, the three camps of people. Okay, they have themselves the enlightened, mm. both groups. They have the liars, those people with something to gain, mm-hmm. some pecuniary interest. Right. Pecuniary, pecuniary. Sorry, some pecuniary interest of gain. Right, and then there are the sheeple. Right, the lied to. Right, right, and so. Any evidence that you give against their preconceived notion only furthers the fact that you have been lied to. <laughs> and the more informed you are on the subject, right. the more deeply indoctrinated you have been. <laughs> and, in yeah. doing, and in doing this, what they've done is they have completely protected themselves from any rational argument otherwise. Right, right, and right. And this is where the full-on skeptic... And the conspiracy theorist, I, I'm just making this up as I go. This is just like a thing, light bulb just moment. Just go, just go. This is where I see these two groups coming together in that there's only three categories. Mm. 
And the more you try to prove that you disagree with them, the more deeply they're just like, You're, you poor soul. Mm. Right? And instead of moving them into, wow, that's, that's a good argument. Let's actually discuss this. Mm. The more you prove to them the opposite of their position, the more they're like, this poor soul. Isn't that this just poor soul? Isn't that just so applicable to so many of the common arguments and situations in our world today on both sides? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. It's like, well, no, surely, surely the you know the main source of information is unquestionable, right? Like, and and so and then and the others just say, no, anything that comes from a mainstream source is surely wrong. And and it creates this this inability to actually communicate. But yeah, and and it's and it's always because of some unidentifiable gain mm-hmm. and some unidentified gainer. Right, right, right always. Right? Always. To which I would say, look at the church. Mm. Not the Catholic church. <laughs> I was going to say. There's a lot of gain there. There's some gain. Um, and but, but all those who would hold most tightly to the scripture and to the doctrines of the church mm-hmm. are not the people who are just raking things in. Right. And in fact, they're calling those people out for yeah. having done that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Radical Christianity, in its orthodox and traditional view, has always led to having less materially mm-hmm. and even costing your life. Right, right. Right? Instead yeah. of elevation. Yeah. And so this ambiguous someone with something to gain mm-hmm. uh, doesn't really hold up, but, yeah. 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 And the reality is that, like, when we when we talk about these types of situations, and like I know we're kind of like skirting around the main subject, but I think mm-hmm. it's going to be helpful in the long run. Yep, I agree. So regardless of kind of what you know, whether we, let's I mean let's pick some low hanging fruit, and I'm not planning a flag on this, but let's talk about you know let's let mention I mean I mentioned the moon landing, but climate change, mm-hmm. for example, right? Um, the reality is that people on both sides of that debate are going to say that they have trustworthy sources. Yep. Right? So, okay. So both will say, well, I'm skeptical of those who say that it's not, you know, it's not a real issue, or I'm skeptical of those who are overplaying this issue or whatever. But they're still, both sides are still requiring a degree of faith in the trustworthiness of the sources that they're choosing to use Mm -hmm. to support their view. Mm-hmm. So all that to say, all this all this tirade and all these rabbit trails, all, all of it to say is like, there comes a point where you can't truly just say, well, I believe the things that you know are proven to be true, that I can measure and discern myself. At some point, the reality is you have some degree of faith. Right. And the question then becomes is what, what is it that you're going to put your faith in? Right. And what role does faith have in relation to our ability to reason? Right. And what, what evidence is there? Mm. To say this is a source worthy of faith, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Because it's one thing to say, okay, and, and this is kind of sticking a little bit with contemporary issues we have, right? But it's one thing to say that you know science or reason can explain many things. Mm-hmm. I think that's true, right? Modern science or our own ability to reason can explain many things. I mean, we've tried to use reason as a means to prove the existence of God. We spent weeks doing it, right? Right. So that's true. So it's, it's one thing to say that science and reason can explain many things. It's something else entirely, though, I think, to see that reason and science can explain everything. Yeah, and science would not tell you that. Yeah. The, the, most scientists are going to acknowledge mm-hmm. that the, the point of science, the point where science ends, mm-hmm. is to tell you why. Right? Right. Mm-hmm. They can tell you how, but not why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, for a true atheist or nihilist or whatever, there is no why, right? Well, <laughs> so maybe that. Well, for some, I people, think that's I mean, a conven a, conven- a point of convenience. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying there are some people there for there. There is no why. It's yeah. just it just is what know. it is, right? But in any case, um, you know, these things which are are useful. You know, science and human reason are useful tools, gifts from God. Mm-hmm. In order, like that, that would be the Christian view that they've been given to us to help us understand the world in which we live, help us understand ourselves, help us understand creation. Um, but they certainly haven't explained everything yet, and whether or not they could even explain everything is is in 
you know, definitely in question. And I would say probably not because just as you said, science can explain the how, but not the why. So in light of all this, in light of all this understanding of like how we believe things and reason and doubt and faith and skepticism is, is faith just like a necessary evil? Is faith just an unfortunate necessity, right? Is it like, well, there's holes in our knowledge. And so in order to cover up those holes, we just slap on the bandaid of faith to cover it. Hmm. Is that what faith is? I, I would, I mean, I've, I feel like we've gone around this here. Just we probably have to say no, <laughs> no, no. And, and I think too, like, I think the Bible itself, it, commends faith, it encourages faith, and it requires faith. And so somewhere along the line, now we people might, you know, Richard Dawkins might say, well, faith is just the great cop out to avoid having to like use reason. Well, no. And I think we've spent a great deal of time kind of arguing in favor of or in, in opposition to that perspective. Mm-hmm. But at some point there is something that is faith is this, this is, you know, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things that are not seen, things that cannot be measured, things that cannot be maybe even rationalized totally. And there is an element where faith is something that is celebrated and encouraged by the word of God. Um, C.S. Lewis, I like C.S. Lewis had this definition. It's almost poetic. He, he writes that faith is the art of holding on to things in spite of your changing moods and circumstances. Hmm. And so it's not that faith is just grabbing onto something that makes no sense at all. He's saying, no, but it's holding onto the truth of that thing even when your personal experience and circumstances and emotional situations change, that you're clinging to this thing to be true in spite of everything else going on right right and so that is you know it's the anchor for the ship in the midst of the storm with the waves and everything the winds and the waves and everything else going on right it's the thing that's holding you fast so i like that definition because i think it kind of encapsulates it doesn't reject reason faith is not the opposite of reason um it's not the same thing Mm -hmm. but it's 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 not in opposition yeah and it's it's particularly good to hear something like that from C.S. Lewis. Mm. Because C.S. Lewis very famously was in a place where he struggled rationalizing, mm-hmm. right? This is where, not just C.S. Lewis, but this has happened with a number of people, mm-hmm. right? C.S. Lewis, Augustine, mm-hmm. uh, um, Case for Christ, Strobel, Strobel. Right, these these famous cases where where these men struggled rationalizing, mm-hmm. they do the they do the homework. Mm. They come to a place where they say, "Hold on, this makes sense," but they don't abandon their secular viewpoints and then just go racing to the arms of God. Mm. Their stories then follow that with an encounter of faith, right, and a placing of faith, and and those guys whose whose positions were previously to say, if it's not rational, it's not right. Right. Then put themselves in a place where they say, I see where my my argument against wasn't as strong as I thought it was. Mm. And I've also had an encounter. Yeah. And yeah. an encounter that's led to faith. Right. 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 Yeah, and I think that's that's an interesting that's like an important thing for us to 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 talk about, especially just in light of what the emphasis of, of the podcast this year has been so far is to kind of maybe seeing that encounter as counterweight might be too radical a term, but as a balance of some kind to mm-hmm. the application of our own human thinking and reason and intelligence, whatever. Um, Okay. Here's a big question. Is Christianity reasonable 
or maybe do we do we need faith in order to believe in Christianity? That's a big one. I'm yeah, just, yeah. I just so jump that on you. So <laughs> I would say, I would say, self admittedly, yes, mm. which is important mm. uh, because. The argument against is like, well, you can't answer questions, so you have to dump it into faith, and so you're hiding behind faith. No, God himself said, I'm only going to reveal a certain amount to you. Mm -hmm. From there, you're going to have to trust me. Right. Yeah. Right? Because I am God, and you are not, Mm. and you are always going to be less than me. Mm Mm-hmm. And if I have to prove myself to you mm-hmm. in every possible way, then I am at your beckon. And that's not the way this is going to work. Right, 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 right. So there is a limit to that revelation. For sure. So yeah, self-imposed even, mm. faith is required. I would also say, just to echo back to some things that we've said earlier in this episode, the Christian worldview requires no more faith than any secular worldview. Agreed. As we would say, uh, there are so many scientific theories that people reasonably, I would say reasonably, work from. I'm, I, I don't like it when Christians do the whole, like, well, it's the theory of <laughs> evolution, and so you don't even know that it's true, right? Like, there's, there's a lot that goes into establishing those mm. theories. Right, sure, sure, in the sure. same way, mm-hmm. In the same way as to say there's a lot that goes into establishing our foundations for faith. Right. Right? Yeah, yeah. I would say more on our side, which is why I don't hold to their side, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but it's not fair to just be for either side to just be entirely dismissive. So mm-hmm. I would say, yes, it's required. No, not in any way that distinguishes it from secular worldviews. Yeah, yeah. And I think the Bible itself... There, there are different points where you can tell that, like, even biblically, there's a... There's a, a value of mm-hmm. human reason, right? Even just if you think about the Gospels, right? Like Luke is like, hey, I did this thing. I went and I've, I've you know, I've, I've created an orderly account. I've, I've went and I've talked to people and I've gathered information and mm-hmm. put these things together so that you might be right. uh, convinced or that you might be, um, you know, re- reinforced in your understanding of who God is, right? Mm-hmm. Or John, John talks about giving reasons, Right, like he's like, I wrote this thing to give you reasons for the faith, right? right? I laid this thing out so that you can be confident in what it is that you believe, right? Yeah, and then the the cherry pick verse for all apologetics discussions, mm. right? Be prepared in season and out to give, to an, give answer. an answer for the hope that you have, mm-hmm. right? So the idea is that there is an there is an answer that can be given, yeah, for that hope, right? So so you know, and, and especially if you look through church history, guys like Augustine, Thomas Aquinas. Calvin, mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis, who we already mentioned, they all put this heavy emphasis on the reasonableness of the Christian faith, right? The question that, I guess the tricky thing, and this is the thing that, um, I don't know, I, I, I'm doing this live on the podcast, but I'm like, I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm working through, I guess. Okay. Is, does just, just having right thinking Will, will right thinking ultimately lead to right believing? Is that enough, right? Is it just that once we get the facts straight, then we will definitely come to a place where we are born again, right? And that, that is, that's my, my, gen, my gentle push back against kind of modern apologetics to some degree. Yeah, I, I would say no. Mm. I, I would say no. Um, and, and the reason is we, we see people receive Mm. truth from the source of truth and turn away sad because he has great wealth. Mm. Right. Um, there is, there's no reason to believe that a person can just have enough answers and then subject themselves to those answers. Mm -hmm. Uh, we see this, if we were going to do it in a more like in, in a more immediate circumstance, Right? How many people have someone in their life that was told if you don't stop smoking, you're going to die? Right, right. But they keep smoking. Mm. The facts are laid out for them. 
Mm-hmm. They just can't bring themselves to succumb to it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They just mm-hmm. don't want to be obedient to it, right? Um, right. Or you know, I- any other any other ailment, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, eat your vegetables, right. and people are like, "No, I'm, I'm just <laughs> I'd not going rather to. not." Yeah, right. And so, so it's not just about information. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, I think that this is something that Christians who are excited about apologetics. Mm-hmm need to really come to terms with. Mm-hmm. I hear so many people say, I just don't want to give the wrong answer. I don't want to say the wrong thing. What if they ask a question that I can't answer? Mm. Our capacity to satisfy the intellect is not the deciding factor. Mm-hmm. There are genuine believers bound for heaven that don't have all the facts right. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, and there are people who have the facts laid before them who turn away and refuse to believe. Yeah, um, these are difficult scenarios, mm-hmm. and 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 I think that shapes the way we approach apologetics and things like this podcast in particular. Mm-hmm. It teaches us to approach these things, saying, "When I'm asked the question, I want to be able to give an answer." Mm. Yeah. The more appropriate, the more sober understanding of that would be to say, when I am genuinely asked a question, I want to present a genuine answer to help them process and leave it to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, because in any other point in life, like, mm-hmm. where else are we going to find this place where people were like, I didn't know... You explained it to me. Now I've changed everything about myself. Right. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't happen. I mean, God, the litany of examples going through my head that are just too controversial to bring up. Sure. Uh, where this is the case, mm. but in an instance where it is deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me, mm. there's way too much at stake. Yeah. For it to just be a I didn't know, and mm. now that you told me, sure, why not? Right. Right. Yeah, and so I think just kind of I think that's that was that was really insightful and really helpful I think for for myself and for a lot of listeners. And one of the things that kind of sent me on this journey of just of just trying to explore like what is what is the role of faith, right? Because you know, when I as a new believer dove into apologetics and trying to find reasons, like I was really encouraged by what I found. And a lot of those things are the things that we've already talked about so far this year. But ultimately, you know, I needed to be reminded of the fact that like, you know, just convincing arguments um, and, and philosophical systems are are not enough. And, and one of the things that <laughs> I had to write this paper for my apologetics class where we were assigned different apologists and the guy that I wanted was taken. So I got my second choice who was Soren Kierkegaard. Providence. It could be Providence. It could be Providence because Kierkegaard is is not really an apologist. He, he might even be the anti-apologist in some ways. Sure. <laughs> because, you know, he... Now, here's the thing we have to understand about a guy like him. So Kierkegaard, uh, very briefly, uh, grew up in the uh, early... The, the first half of the 1800s in Denmark, which was thoroughly Christian, but it was the Lutheran state church. Mm-hmm. And they were heavily influenced by um, Hegel, who was a German theologian philosopher who essentially had argued that you know um reason reason is the be-all and end-all he would say uh, uh reason is reality and the only reality is reason so if you can't reason it it's not true it's not real and so it was almost this like hyper so what at that time anyways what they were trying to do was to say we can explain all the doctrines, all the beliefs, all the core tenets of the faith, we can we can make it fit in a nice, tidy little framework. And Kierkegaard was just not okay with that. And so he he pushes back. And he pushes back pretty hard. And he pushes back maybe a little too hard. But I think we have to have grace for, for where he was at. Mm-hmm. He, he, here's a quote from him. This is spicy, but he says, if, if, if one were to describe the whole orthodox apologetical effort in one single sentence, but also with precision, 
one would say that it has the intent to make Christianity plausible. And to this one might add that if this were to succeed, then would this effort have the ironical fate that precisely on the day of its triumph, it would have lost everything and entirely quashed Christianity. So, (laughs) what Kierkegaard is saying is like, if you try to make everything about the Christian faith plausible, you try to make everything about the Christian faith uh, fit into this these ni- nice tidy little boxes. Mm-hmm. Then what you're actually going to do is destroy the Christian faith. Yeah, I my biggest beef with that statement is the use of the word plausible. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, plausible meaning yeah. it's beyond it's within the realm of of possibility. Right now, right? to be fair, that is a translation of Danish. So I yeah. don't know what the Danish word he used was. But. Right. So so pl- is Christianity plausible? Entirely, yes, mm. because it is true. Right. Uh, I but to take it to the point of to say it is without uh, without any question that would lead to a necessity for faith. Mm. Then I would agree. Mm. Um, so I yeah. just don't like the use of the word plausible. There. Right. Right. No, and that's fair. And again, like I'm not I'm not setting Kierkegaard up as the the pinnacle, mm-hmm. but he's maybe just a counterbalance to the Aquinas. Right. Right. Yeah. And because you know he's going to talk about things. Well, and definitely to Hegel, who is really the father of of liberal theology in some respects. And so we see the consequence of his line of thinking and how that's played out over time. But, but like for example, like one of the things we can look at, and one of the things Kierkegaard kind of leans into is the incarnation. So the idea that the that God became man in the person of Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, right? And he he calls this this a qualitative contradiction. So what he says is like, okay, here's the thing, like God there's such a there's such a massive gap between the infinite creator of the universe and a person. Yep. And so the fact that God the infinite creator, infinite, eternal, right, uh, unchangeable creator of the universe would take on human form and in the form of, well, an embryo that would Mm -hmm. grow into a baby, grow into a man, that man would, you know, get thirsty and hungry and tired and die. You can't, there's, there's no philosophical framework to explain that. That is an unexplainable thing. That's a paradox. Right. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a, he would say it's true, but it's a true paradox. It's the kind of thing that's not necessarily irrational, but what he would say is supra rational. So that means like it's beyond our ability as human beings to understand how that could happen. Yeah. But it's necessary to believe in order to be a Christian. So you have to set, you have to set your your reason aside for a moment and say, I believe that God took on human form, even though I can't make sense of it. Right. And and like I said, this is this is an effect for all worldviews. Yeah. Oh, for sure. No level of science. So yeah. So the the point of this is not to say that um, Christianity is less in this way, because this is where people are going to jump in and they're going to be like, see, there's the, they call it the God of the gaps thing. Right. 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 Like any question you can't answer, you just say God and and the question goes away. Mm. This isn't a God of the gaps argument. Mm -hmm. Right. This is the point to say human reason is finite. Mm -hmm. Our capacities are limited. Yeah. Growing. Sure. But limited. Mm -hmm. Right. Not growing individually, but collectively, collectively growing. Yes. Uh, but still limited, eternally mm-hmm. limited. And so this kind of need to step into faith at some point and have some element that you trust based on what you see around you is just going to always be. Yeah. Right? And yeah. and I'm I'm with Kierkegaard on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I So I'll just say it. I, I kind of am Kierkegaard in a lot of ways. We had this discussion <laughs> yeah. last week, yeah, uh, or week before last, whenever it was. It's been a busy season. You don't fit into a box. Uh, but but anyone listening who's like a watchdog is freaking out right now. <laughs> Kierkegaard is one of these guys that the rationalists mm. were like, 
you're crazy for mm-hmm. throwing this whole faith thing out there, mm-hmm. right? And then people who were just like, no, it's it's all about faith, mm-hmm. were like, why are you spending so much time in the rational? Because right. you're minimizing faith. Right. And he was like, no, I, I think we need both camps yeah, in was, order to make this work. Yeah, exactly. Which is just kind of where I live in... Mm-hmm. A lot of areas. A lot of areas. And so, so sometimes I throw out the words to our church, like, in our camp... Sure. Um, sometimes I feel like I'm a man without a camp in some <laughs> in some degrees. Like, uh, oh, and, and and Kierkegaard's kind of that way too, a little bit. But Kierkegaard's Kierkegaard rationalizes properly mm. the place of faith mm-hmm. in worldview, but in particular in Christian worldview. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and I think that I, I think that his argument for that. Mm-hmm. Other arguments aside, yeah. that argument is absolutely spot on. Yeah, because look, so a lot of people, because he pushes back against the kind of rationalizing everything, people are like, "Oh, well, Kierkegaard is against truth, objective yeah. truth," and he doesn't reason. want us to use our heads. Yeah, but that's not true. He he would actually he would actually say that objectively, objectively viewed, Christianity is true. He's like. The historical evidence, the biblical evidence, the mm-hmm. philosophical, dis- like all the things that we've talked about thus far, he would say that should lead us to know that Christianity is true. Yeah. It's a given fact. But his concern is that all of the, all the intellectual hypothesizing, all the, you know, all the finding of the answers, all the study that we might do about the truth mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily lead us to the most important truth which he calls the truth of appropriation. So it's like, look, at the end of the day, you got to take this. Yep. You got to receive this. You can't just know it, right? Because what was being propagated in his day and age, and I think still exists some, you know, to some degree even now, is when it comes to Christianity, it's like it's just like it's just a set of facts or statements and all you got to do is just kind of like nod your head in the general direction of those facts, and that's what makes you a Christian. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, no. Right. No, 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 no. There no. is the there's, leap of faith. There is the leap of faith. There, your reason gets you to a, to a point, but in order to own it, you got to take the jump. You got to yeah. take the plunge. So I, I would say it like this. Imagine yourself in position to... Um, you're, you're in the grocery store. Okay. And you're positioning yourself to take this food purchase this food that promises to be a, the miracle cure for health. Mm-hmm. You read the nutritional facts, it's there. Mm-hmm. It's all spelled out for you. Yeah. Right? Are you better? Nope. <laughs> you got to eat the food. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You got to you got to take the pill, you got to take your medicine, whatever it is. You you can't watch enough YouTube videos about how helpful this medicine or this miracle food is going to be. Uh, you can't read over and over and over again mm. what's written on the box. At some point, if you want this thing, you're going to have to just take it, mm-hmm. swallow it, and let it become a part of you to do its work in you, mm-hmm. right? And that's Kierkegaard's leap of faith. Yeah, That is a profoundly biblical statement. Yeah, for and, and sure. Otherwise... We end up, uh, we end up with things like the Sadducees, sure, right? Denying all things supernatural. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I can't rationalize it, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. I can't see it. I don't watch it play out for me. Mm-hmm. And if I can't see it, it doesn't exist. Or we become like the Pharisees who obey the mm-hmm. letter of the law, who have right doctrine. I mean, they kind of they pile some extra stuff on. Don't get me wrong, but but at its core, they hold to the things that ought to be true. But they're but they're dead inside. But you right? know, they're whitewashed tombs. On the outside, they look beautiful. Right. But on the inside, there's nothing there because there hasn't been a new birth. There hasn't been a regeneration. There hasn't been that experience of mm-hmm. faith. There is just this grasp of the external truths, mm-hmm. right? Which aren't necessarily wrong, right? They acknowledge the law and the prophets. Right. Which is what they should have done. Yeah, I was going to say there's there's more grace for the Pharisee than the Sadducee because at least the Pharisee believed mm. that God would keep his end of you kept the law 
therefore right. I will keep you, kind of a thing, right? Mm-hmm. So they're, they are at least practicing to some level of faith that was absent mm-hmm. uh, from the Sadducees. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that when the, when the Bible talks about Christians, mm-hmm. we call them believers, mm-hmm. people of faith. Mm-hmm. Jesus talks about coming to faith. Mm-hmm. Believe and be baptized is a formula for the apostles yep. in the book of Acts and, and elsewhere, right? At no point, at no point is rationale the deciding argument. They present truth. Mm-hmm. Right? Paul argues it at the Acropolis, mm-hmm. right? But they present the truth and call to faith. Right. That is the formula the church should not be surprised by that, mm-hmm. and we should not feel that that makes us less than other worldviews because other worldviews do the same. Yeah, uh, yeah. Every 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 worldview, including the atheistic, naturalistic one, requires some degree of right. faith. There's so many things that science hasn't been able to prove mm-hmm. or explain mm-hmm. how a bumblebee flies, yet we can all observe it. Right, right. <laughs> but the weight yeah. ratio to the wings just doesn't. Makes sense in physics, right? Right. Light, sure, is a wavelength, yeah. But it also has mass, and so it can actually be measured on a scale. That's wild. Yeah, but it can also be measured as a wave. So, what is it? Right. Is it a particle or is it energy? <laughs> and the answer is yes <laughs> to both. Right. And right. and just all of these these little kinds of things that we have hints at scientifically that we mm. still have to say, you know what, I don't know, but we're still working on that. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I agree. And But I think I think that, I think th- this episode as just kind of ins- an insertion in the midst of other things that we're, we have talked about and are going to talk about is that the Christian apologist, which we should all be to some degree to the best of our ability, mm-hmm. And hopefully the people listening are, are striving to be it themselves. It's not just about defending the system of faith. Right. It's We also need to stand and defend faith itself. Right. Right? It's not just the faith. It's also faith itself. It has to be part of it because without it, one cannot be born again. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I think that's a good point. And, and to, to help those people arguing from the outside— mm. To see that they are also practicing faith. Yeah, that's helpful. Um, is, is helpful in if they're genuine and getting them over the block of thinking that you're doing something different than what they are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, in a genuine dialogue, that's a really helpful thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think what's probably going to be the most applicable benefit from this conversation mm. is just realizing we don't have magic words. Mm-hmm. There's no silver bullet of fact. Yeah. Um, because there there are two things. One, there's just a lack of faith at some point. Mm-hmm. A person just has to act upon mm-hmm. the information they're receiving, either for or against. When when presented with information, there is no neutral ground. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Even the apathetic are being active. Right? They're making a choice. Yeah, the choice right. to reject the information right. no, put right. before them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So there, there is no middle ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're always going to accept or reject. And and we need to understand that. We need to help people understand that. Uh, we can't force people with information to either accept or reject. Mm-hmm. Um, there is always going to be an act of faith. Yeah. And yeah. the Bible even touts that as... A benefit, mm-hmm. um, even though it is a necessity. It's a gift inside of the Christian faith. It is a gift. It is a gift, right? right? And I think I think the thing is like we don't want to discredit all the wonderful things that are given to us in the study of all apologetics, right? Mm-hmm. Like we like we're not like we're not empty-handed as we come to these difficult discussions. But like there are just times when the call of God in our lives you know, on an individual level, it's just not going to make sense. It mm-hmm. did not make sense to Abraham that he would take Isaac, the son of promise, up the Mount Moriah to sacrifice him, mm-hmm. right? And so there are just times where faith needs to supersede that, right? And like, 
all of these all of these like really great rational arguments that we have for the existence of God or the trustworthiness of scripture or the historicity of the resurrection, which is something we're going to talk about soon. Those are all wonderful and amazing gifts from God. They only get us so far. And the reality is that for all of us individually, we get to a point where we do need to still take what my buddy Kierkegaard would say, the leap of faith. Yeah. And that, and that is the, that is the necessary ingredient to put all of this together. And, and it's only once that faith exists that all these other things actually make sense. How's this for coining a phrase? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. (laughs) Love it. Right. Understand as well-intentioned as you may be, Mm -hmm. as skilled in this area as you may become, Mm -hmm. willful disbelief is an enemy that you're not equipped to fight Mm -hmm. and it's not your battle. No. Your job is to present truth and leave that before them. Um, And call them to faith. Free yourself, free Mm. yourself of the burden of outcome. Yeah. Because that's not for you. Yeah, agreed. All right, well, Thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada, and is produced by Alex Walker. See ya. See ya.